morning and welcome online campus. We are so excited that you're a part today. I want to just take a minute and just say thank you so much for being a part of Summit Church. Man, God is doing so many good things. We just completed our family conference and what a powerful two days that was. I mean, God really did some things in people's lives and I just want to say thank you so much for being a part and just uh, worshiping with us and engaging with us and and so just thank you so much. And if you're new with us here at Summit Church, we want to just say welcome to you. You know, here at Summit, we really believe in family. We really believe in relationship and connection. And so I want to encourage you today, as you see that link that came up just then, make sure you click that link and fill out that information so we can serve you. A pastor or a leader will connect with you. And as you engage today in this online campus, just know that we're here for you, we love you, we care for you, and we want God's best for you. And so everybody else, I just want to say good morning, and man, I'm so excited about uh, today's message. We're starting a new series, and you know, our worship was just so good today, and I just, I know the presence of God is ministering to you, and, and uh, you know, here at Summit, we really believe in not just doing things or going through motions. So I want to encourage you every time we do communion together, every time we do worship, that you don't just observe, but that you participate, that you engage your faith. So you're not just going through liturgical motions, but you're literally engaging your faith and saying, God, I want what you want for my life. And so I encourage you to do that. So we're starting a new series today, and, and I'm really excited about this series. It's going to be over the next three weeks and it's just called Divine Connection because we believe that God wants to have a divine connection with us. He wants to connect with us. And it's not just about following some rules or it's not just about going through some motions. It's about literally daily, every day, having a connection with God, allowing His Spirit to touch our lives, allowing His Spirit to move in our lives. And so I'm excited about what's going to happen today. And uh, today I want to talk to you around the subject Praise is the posture for a divine connection. Praise is the posture for a divine connection. So let's, let's read our text, if you will, and uh, then we'll jump right in. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Father, we just thank you right now for your word. I ask you to stir this word up inside of us, God. Help us to know that the Christian life is a power-filled life. Help us to know that the Christian life is an active life. That, that, that Christianity, there's nothing about it that's passive. But it's active. And it's an active engagement with your spirit and your presence. And an active engagement with people. That as we carry the message, as we carry your spirit from place to place in our lives, Lord, we thank you that the same spirit that raised you from the dead dwells in us and quickens us, Lord. We're just so grateful for your presence today. We're so grateful for your desire to be with us and to empower us and anoint us and, and, and rise within us, God. We just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love and your compassion. We thank you for your correction and your instruction. And we just give you glory and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You know, this idea that praise is the posture for a divine connection first 
implies or infers that there's a need for a divine connection. And I think sometimes we allow our, uh, ourselves to see our Christian experience or our Christianity as if it just stops at redemption. Like Jesus gave his life for us. He, he, he provided uh, the, the, the price paid for the penalty of our sin. He has redeemed us if we believe in him and trust on him. And that saves us. It, 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 it puts us in a position where we can be forgiven of our sins and we can be made right or what we call theologically justified. In other words, made just. He who knew no sin, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, he who knew no sin was made sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ. Not because of what we did, but because of what he did. And we're so grateful for it. But I think a lot of times we... Uh, it, we think of our Christianity as stopping right there. We think of our Christianity as being this, you know, we get that, we make that commitment to God or we ask God to come into our lives, forgive us of our sins, and then our next thought about it is we're going to go to heaven someday, but right now we're just going to get on with our lives. And we, I think, sometimes don't realize how powerful this relationship between us and God is and how interactive it should be that this power of the Holy Spirit and this divine connection that we have made through redemption should increase, should grow, should mature day by day as we walk our relationship out with the Lord. You know, and how do we get that, that place? How do we get to that place where we're making this divine connection every day, where the Holy Spirit of God is rising within us, where, where we are being led by the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit of God? It's important that we do it. One of the ways, very powerful way to do it, is to understand that praise is the posture for that connection. That when we learn the power of praise, the power, the ability, what happens when we praise God, it is an amazing revelation to our life and to our spiritual growth. I just can tell you that I've learned over the years, and sometimes it's easy to forget, and sometimes it's easy just to go along uh, your Christian walk and your life and not, not really get it or not really participate in it. But I'm telling you, there is power in that posture, that praising God, putting God in that place of preeminence in our life where we are continually and consistently giving him praise. You know, praise creates a divine connection. We want a powerful connection with the Holy Spirit. We don't want to avoid the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I found to be true. A lot of times when people try to squash the theology or the mindset of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life on a daily basis uh, as you grow as a Christian and develop as a Christian, I think it's because they have a very religious life and not a relational life when it comes to God. And because they haven't experienced that divine connection or they haven't experienced that supernatural working of the Holy Spirit in their life, they don't. They don't un understand it, and they want everybody else to just, let's just act like it doesn't exist. But we can't do that because you can't take one part of the Bible without another part of the Bible. And praise creates a divine connection. We want a powerful connection with the Holy Spirit. We, we want to work powerfully with the Holy Spirit in and through our lives. And the way this happens is we posture ourselves with praise. And before I get into the principles of that, I, I want to just... I want to just share with you what will not make that divine connection. The Bible is very clear about some things that will, some postures that we take sometimes in life that will keep us from having an ongoing, growing, developing, empowering relationship with the Holy Spirit, relationship with the third person, the Trinity, a relationship with God himself 
Because God, you say, well, now wait a minute, Pastor. Wait a minute, Pastor. God, it, he said he'd never leave us or, or, or forsake us. I'm not talking about your salvation here. I'm talking about the power and presence of God being available to you and you walking in that every day. Because there are some things we can do, even though saved, that can cause God to oppose us. And that's just absolutely the truth. Uh, the, the Bible tells us in James that God resists the proud. It doesn't say God resists the proud who aren't saved. It says God resists the proud, and he's speaking to the saved at the time he's speaking. When we, get, when we find ourselves in a posture of pride where instead of being humble, we're, we're built up in ourselves, and we're arrogant, or we're, we're in that posture of pride where we're depending on ourselves, and we're trusting ourselves, and we're, we think we're somebody, and we're trying to make everybody else think we're somebody. And that, that posture of pride causes God to resist us because it is a rejection of him. We may not realize it, but it is a rejection of him. So we never want to have that posture of pride because we don't want to get in a situation where God would have to stand in front of us to keep us from hurting ourselves. He would have to resist us and not allow us to do the things that we're trying to do because we're not depending on him. We're not obeying him. We're not submitting to him. We got this. We don't need you. And I know that none of us would probably articulate that idea that way. But when we have these actions of not trusting him, and we have these actions of esteeming ourselves more highly than we should, um, we, we, we find ourselves doing exactly that. We push God out of the picture, and honestly, we're making ourselves our own God. So we never want to have a pasture, uh, excuse me, a posture of pride. That's one posture that will not give you a divine connection. It will shut the flow of God's spirit out of your life. And we don't want that. The second is a posture of arrogance. And you say, well, pride and arrogance, aren't they the same thing? I look at it this way. Arrogance is the expression of pride. You can be very proud and not be expressing it. Uh, sometimes you, you, you think that some people are humble and you find out they're really not humble. They're, they're proud. But they, they have this inner thing that says, I'm my own answer. And they seem like they're very passive or maybe laid back. But when you find out and you get into things, they're really proud. But what a lot of pride, proud people do that have more of a gregarious uh, personality is they have a posture of arrogance. In other words, they carry their pride on their sleeve. And they want everybody to know who they are. And when they walk in the room, they want everybody to know they're there. And it's just this deal where I'm trying to draw attention to myself. And I got to tell you, this, this thing, this pride and arrogance, this posture with, with how things are in our world today, you know, I've always believed that there's two kinds of lust in the world. I think there's a lust where we lust after things or we lust after people. But I also believe that there's a, a, a really subtle form of lust that we don't catch sometimes, and that is we want to be lusted after. Or we want people to lust after the things we have in our life or who we are. And this advent of social media has even, even enhanced that more because now it's a constant barrage of look at me, look at me, look at me. These are things we have to be very careful with because if we want this divine connection, this ongoing power of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives, we cannot, we cannot allow pride, we cannot allow arrogance. Now remember what Lucifer fell from heaven for. It was pride it was this beautiful angel who had been created with unbelievable features he literally was made up of musical instruments when he spoke it was like 
harmonious music and he was beautiful in every way this is why the bible even says that he comes as an angel of light now he's very deceptive he doesn't look ugly he looks beautiful and and and, uh uh, what happened though is he was uh, as we uh, read it and study it in theology he was kind of the entry point to the worship of god and he was the angel that led worship and And what happened was because of his beauty and because of his position and because of his feelings about himself, he decided, I'm going to ascend above the throne of God. And instead of God getting this worship, I want this worship to come to me. And in essence, that's what pride and arrogance is. It's this it's this idea in our own mind that we want the worship. We want people to acknowledge us. We want and need to be noticed. And it's very important that we change our posture in this way and that we learn that God is the only one who should be worshipped, that God is this unbelievable Father who is so good and so great and so fantastic and He's so immense and He's so unbelievably powerful and mighty. We can't hardly get our minds around it sometimes. I mean, we, you know, God is knowable, but He's incomprehensible at the same time. And, and sometimes it's hard for us to grasp. It's hard, hard for us to understand. But He's truly the one worthy of worship. None of us. None of us. And I know we live in a culture where people are worshipped and things are worshipped. And all worship is is giving devotion to something and someone. And God is the only one really worthy of that. And especially not ourselves. And the last posture that will keep you from having a good divine connection is the posture of spiritual independence. You know, there's something that's a little bit deceptive that happens to us as we grow as Christians and as believers. And that is we think that our spiritual growth, our spiritual maturity, we think that that happens exactly like physical growth and physical maturity. Now, there are some analogies to be made there. And we can uh, we can say that, it is spiritual growth sometimes is analogous to physical growth. Uh, you know, when we're born again, we're like babies and we have to mature and we have to grow just like a physical baby. Can't do everything for themselves and they have to trust and have to rely and they have to be dependent upon. But what I have found to be true in the body of Christ and what I have found to be true in our spiritual development and our spiritual upbringing is simply this, that the older we get in our faith, the more mature, I'm not talking about numerics, I'm talking about spiritual maturity there's a lot of people that have been saved for a long time and they've never grown (laughs) they don't have a lot of experience they just have the same one year of experience over and over again they've not they're still acting like a baby they're still walking around like a baby they're still not seeking the face of God they you might even question if they're really born again I mean the, the truth is we are supposed to mature we are supposed to grow But it's not the same as in physical growth. At some point in physical maturity, you want that baby to start relying on this. One thing I taught my kids as they were coming up, and I was thinking about this as we came out of the family conference, if my kids could do it for themselves, they had to do it for themselves. In other words, I'm not doing something for you that you can do for yourself. I wanted them to become independent because in becoming independent, it's the only journey, it's the only pathway to becoming interdependent. In other words, being able to be a mature person that can stand on your own two feet, but understands how to work with other people in a way that's beneficial to all. And, and you can't get to interdependence if you don't first get to independence. If you're still dependent on me, I don't want my kids running around still dependent on me 
for things that they can do for themselves. That's physical maturity. But here's what I've found to be true about spiritual maturity. The more spiritually mature we get, the more dependent on God we become. Because here's what happens. We begin to understand at greater levels how much we really need God. You know, when we start out in this Christian life, we feel like, man, I need God for this one thing. I need God to save me. I need God to help me forgive me of my sins. But we, so we start realizing if I'm going to fulfill the purpose of God, if I'm going to be mature in my faith, if I'm going to become everything God wants me to become, I can't do this. I don't have the ability in and of myself to do things that way. I need God. I need God for decisions. I need God for purpose. I need God for the anointing. I need God to be able to carry out my life, to be a dad and to be a husband and to be a leader. I need God to, to stir my heart. I need God to lead me. And I'm more dependent on God today than I've ever been. And I, I'm not, I don't ever want to be one of those people as I'm able to do this for myself, so I don't need God. Just because you can do it on your own doesn't mean you shouldn't acknowledge God. This is why the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He'll direct your path. In other words, I've always quite, what does that mean, in all your ways, acknowledge Him? Just give glory to God? No, here's what it means. It means acknowledge that in every aspect of your life, you need God. So I want to encourage you that these three postures, this posture of pride, posture of arrogance, this posture of spiritual independence from God, I'm big enough now, I don't really need God to do that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm an adult in the spirit. I don't need God to do that. No, the moment you do that, you're just revealing how immature spiritually you really are. We need to understand that God wants us to be totally and completely dependent on him. I hope that makes sense to you this morning. A posture of praise makes that divine connection or creates that divine connection because it is a humble posture. It's a, the whole purpose of praise is to lift God up and acknowledge that he's greater than we are. It's to humble our heart and acknowledge his greatness. And can I just tell you something? Humility is not something that you only do on the outside. A lot of people can act humble on the outside, but it's the humility of the heart, the acknowledgement that God is greater than me, the acknowledgement that I am less and he is more, the acknowledgement that I must decrease and he must increase. This is a humble heart. This is a person who can be submissive to God. I just, I just declare to you today and recommend to you today to understand this, that you cannot submit to God if your heart is not humble towards God. If you don't realize who you are and who He is. I really love Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, king Uzziah had died. It was, he was a good king and Israel was in an uproar. Isaiah was the prophet. He ran to the temple and the Bible said when he ran into the temple, he was going there to cry out to God, what do we do? King Uzziah is dead. And he says he went into the temple and he saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple. His glory filled the whole earth. And he said he was so impressed by the holiness of God that he just felt sinful and he felt unrighteous. And, 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 and there were angels around God and they were, they were crying out, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, worthy is the Lamb. For sinners slain, they were just crying out holy to God. And Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips amongst the people of unclean lips. He was acknowledging, I don't feel worthy to be, even be in the presence of God. And really, it was only the manifest presence of God. He wasn't seeing the full, full version of God because he wouldn't have lived through that. But he was seeing a vision of the glory of God. And, and when he saw it, it just did two things to him. It 
showed him how unbelievably awesome and powerful and mighty and holy God is, but it also revealed to him rather quickly how small and insignificant he was. And our significance and our greatness is only found in our servitude towards God and his purpose. And there's nothing wrong with esteeming yourself as a person that has worth and has value because God has given you that. The Bible says that you carry the imago dei, the image of God. Every one of us were made in the similitude and likeness of God. You have that impression on you because you were created by him. So I'm not saying to look at yourself as nothing. But I'm saying in context, we find that we are less and he is more. And that humility of our heart can cause us to submit to God in such a way that he'll change us and he'll renew us and he'll empower us and he'll embolden us. I think a lot of times God does great things for humble people because he can trust them. And I think a lot of times proud people find themselves in trouble when they're used by God because it kind of goes to their head. Posture of praise is this humble posture that says, God, you are great and you are awesome and I am your servant and I'm here to do that. I love what happened in the account of John the Baptist too. Jesus Christ himself described John the Baptist as the greatest prophet who ever existed. Jesus was the, the one who declared that. I mean, think about that. There's some great prophets. I mean... I mean, some great prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Nathan and Ezekiel. And these prophets were amazing, Elijah and Elisha. But John the Baptist, Jesus Christ himself, the second person of the Trinity, the son of the living God, said there is no greater prophet than John the Baptist. He was an amazing man of God because his whole job was to come and to get everybody ready to receive the Messiah and to preach. And people would come out of that area and that region by the thousands and listen to John preach and be baptized in the River Jordan. And something happened when he declared that Jesus was the Messiah and he baptized Jesus and Jesus started his ministry. Something happened. People began to follow Jesus. And some of the disciples of John came to him and said, what do we do? People are following Jesus. They're leaving you and they're following him. And, and, and what I think happens is when we find out what our true purpose is, it doesn't bother us when that manifests itself in our lives. John's purpose was to get people ready for Jesus to come. When Jesus came, all he had to do is let that happen. And he said something so important. And he said something that I think is important for every single one of us as believers to get, not just in our actions. It needs to go deeper than that. It needs to get in our heart. He looked, at his, he looked at his friend, his person that was following him, his disciple, the, the one that he was teaching. And he could have said, I know, I don't know what we're going to do. How are we going to keep the ministry going? How are we going to, what's going to happen here? But instead of saying, my feelings are hurt, or I didn't know this was going to decimate my ministry, he says something so important. He says, I must decrease, and he must increase. In our own lives, in our own minds, in our own Feelings, we have to get to that place where we're saying, I must decrease and he must increase in my life. It's such a, this posture of praise is, it, it allows us, gives us permission to just go, you know what? It's not about me. You know, sometimes I think we make ourselves tired and sometimes I think that's where stress comes from when we're constantly making life about us. 
when we're constantly making it about us and what people have to think about us and, and, and what we want people to think about us and how we want praise and we need praise. And, 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 and I'm not saying we don't need affirmation and we don't need people to love us and we don't need people speaking life into our, our lives. Of course we do. But we get so caught up in everything being about ourselves that our hearts change from humility to pride. And we become John the Baptist in an other way where we would say, if, if John the Baptist had said, well, I'm not going to allow this to happen. I'm going to go tell these people to continue to follow me and Jesus can get his own following. But that wasn't the point. The point was that he would do his role and then he would submit himself to the role of the greater. He had even said that when Jesus came, he said, there's coming one whose sandals I'm not even worthy to tie. I'm not even worthy to buckle his sandals, to tie the straps around his sandals. I'm not worthy to even do that. Come on. He understood the greatness of Jesus and the smallness of himself. I really do believe that we've forgotten this, and I really do believe that that's why sometimes we don't feel that passion about God. and That's why sometimes we feel... Uh, 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 more what we want is more important than what God wants we don't even realize it's happening to us but it's because we have normalized God we have brought God down to some kind of low level so that we can identify with him and that is not who he is and that's not how we should do this because greatness in us is only going to happen it's only going to manifest when we attach ourselves to the greatness in him you know God has been so good to us he gave us Jesus to redeem us from the curse of death, hell, and the grave. And Jesus came and completed that mission. And now all we have to do is believe on him. But then Jesus ascended to the Father, and Jesus had told the disciples before he would go to the cross and before he would go into the tomb and before he would resurrect from the dead, he said, I'm going to send another comforter to you. This has been my time. I'm the second person of the Godhead, and this has been my time on the earth, but I'm going to ascend to the Father. But we're not going to leave you alone. We're going to send another comforter. The Holy Spirit is coming to empower you and to embolden you and to comfort you. And He ascended to the Father, and He sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit now is at work in our lives. And Father God is at work in our lives, and Jesus is at work in our lives. But the expression of God on the planet today is the Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit. Our Christianity is not just an education. It's an experience. It isn't just information. It's an encounter with the person and presence of Holy Spirit who guides us. He empowers us. He bears fruit in our lives. And He manifests gifts in our lives. And oh, we've gotten out of balance at different times. We've gotten in different you know, thinking at different times. I mean, seriously, we, we get more concerned about the gifts. I want the gifts to operate in me. I want people to see me prophesy or see me uh, interpret tongues or see me uh, have a gift of wisdom or whatever the case may be. And, and, and the truth is, those things are great, and we should pursue God's Spirit manifesting uh, in our lives, the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit by manifesting His gifts, all not because it brings attention to us or because we're doing it, but because it gives glory to God. But what's more important, even the manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the bearing of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if you show me somebody who says, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and I have the power of the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are at work in me, 
Let me just tell you, if the fruit of the Holy Spirit aren't working in you, I could care less about the gifts that are working in you. Because that fruit that is born, when you really let the Holy Spirit saturate your life, He starts bearing out fruit in your life, like love and joy and peace and, and long-suffering and patience and, 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 and meekness and faith. All of these things, goodness, all of these things that you can't achieve on your own. You can renew your mind. You can be born again. But the only thing that makes that fruit come out of your life is the regenerative power of the Holy Spirit, the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who's making that happen in your life. It's more than a good moral education. It's a powerful spiritual revelation and transformation. This divine connection is an interaction between us and God the Holy Spirit. It's to equip us to overcome obstacles and gives us the ability to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. I'm going to be honest with you that I think sometimes the reason we don't encounter, engage the miraculous and the powerful in the Holy Spirit is simply because we're leaving out the part of why we need it. We need the Holy Spirit so that the purpose of God can be fulfilled in our lives. But if we're not in pursuit of the purpose of God, then why do we need the Holy Spirit to empower us for purpose? So one of the reasons why we don't see more miracles or we don't see more manifestation of God's gifts and more fruit being born is simply because we have forgotten to attach ourselves to the purpose for which we need the power. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want you to understand what he's saying here. He was saying to the New Testament church that had just been born out of one of the most hardships that we've ever seen where the leader of an organization was killed and then resurrected. I mean, can you imagine just days before that they were meeting in the upper room they had been devastated. Peter had denied Christ. Judas had betrayed Christ and, and, and totally uh, given him up. He was treacherous and he, was, he, he committed suicide. And then you have the other 11 and then they had to replace Judas and get another apostle that could lead the church. And they went through all this transition and all this persecution. They were in fear for their lives because anybody who called themselves a follower of Christ now was fair game for persecution. And so they were in this upper room, and Jesus had told them, I'm going to fulfill the purpose of God by sending my Holy Spirit to you. He had told them even before as he had gathered the disciples together, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. In advance of the coming of the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus had already declared over them, receive the Holy Spirit. He was saying to them, it's coming, be ready for it, and open your heart because he is coming. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not an energy. The Holy Spirit is not some kind of manifestation. The Holy Spirit is God. He is the third person of the Trinity. He is a part of the Godhead. He is a, a relationship that you want to have. When you have a relationship with God, you have a relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You need to understand it. And what God was doing then is he was giving them the power of the Holy Spirit. He, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This word power, it's the word dunamis in the Greek where we derive the word dynamite. It means to be explosive. It means to, it means to uh, uh, blow up. It means to uh, have this 
have this power that moves things and shakes things. And that is exactly what happened. When they received that power and they began to speak in the languages of everyone who was there, although they didn't know those languages, and when they began to manifest the presence and the miraculous workings of God, and when they began to do the things that God had empowered them to do, it got everybody's attention. It was explosive. And I believe, church, that that's, that's what it's supposed to be like today. Wouldn't it be awesome for you to walk into someone's hospital room and lay your hands on them and pray a prayer of faith and see them healed of whatever sickness? Wouldn't it be awesome for you to gather a family who's struggling and be able to pray for them and let the manifestation of the Holy Spirit speak into their life and empower their life to reconcile and be whole again? Isn't it amazing what God can use us to do if we'll just get in a posture to allow Him to do it? Because it's His power, His Holy Spirit that makes it all happen. So the posture for this power is praise. So then we have to ask the question, what is praise? Now, that seems like a pretty easy question to answer. And the definition is fairly simple. It simply means expressing warm approval or admiration of. In other words, when you think of God, when you think of who He is, you're expressing warm approval and admiration. I love you. I adore you. You are amazing. You are so good. I, I love your qualities and your characteristics. I love who you are, and I thank you for what you've done. You are an awesome God, and the Bible gives us all kinds of language to articulate our praise to God. And then he, 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 another definition is expressing one's respect and gratitude towards. In other words, we're saying when we praise, we're saying, I respect you. I honor you. I am grateful for you. I think it's interesting in that second definition, it includes the idea of worship, and it says, with singing. I think it's so interesting. This is why we come into the house of God and we sing songs. It's not to entertain. It's not to have some good music. It's not to do a sing-along. But it's to lift up praise to God. I say it all the time, but I want to say it again, church. You are not an audience. We are a congregation. And there's a difference between an audience and a congregation. We are not here just to receive. We are here to give. When we come into the presence of God, you're not here to listen to the band play. You're not here to listen to the singer sing. You're not even here just to sing along with them. This is why the words of our songs give glory to God. They speak directly to God. They say you're wonderful. You're magnificent. You're powerful. You're graceful. You're good. You're awesome. This is why those words are there. It's because we're not singing about God. We're singing to God. We're not saying what God is. We're saying, God, this is who you are. We love you. We praise you. We're talking to you. When, when we come here, the, the job of the praise and worship team is to lead us into the presence of God. Just has been historically uh, accurate throughout the children of Israel, out of the Old Testament, into the New Testament. The praisers and worshipers have always led the congregation in getting into the presence of God to express respect and gratitude for Him. And what happens when we praise? It's amazing what happens when we praise. Praise is how we approach God. I mean, think about it for a minute. Praise is how we approach God. We come to God. When we come to God, we should come to God praising. 
you know, I know we come together, we fellowship a little bit, we have some donuts and coffee, and we talk and we hang out, and I love coming into Summit Church. It's one of my favorite things to walk in when people are here and they're, there's just so many smiling faces and so many great conversations going and a lot of laughter, and it's just a beautiful place. And, we, and the reason we want Summit to be like that is because we feel like that the church should be a small expression of what heaven's going to be like someday. But I tell you what I really love about Summit is when we come into this worship, it's like people came to give praise to God. And that's what I want us to continue to do. We, we come in here, we should already have a praise in our heart. We should already be praising God when we got up out of bed. We should already be expressing warm approval to Him and admiration before we even get to the house of God. We should be expressing our respect and gratitude to Him before we even get to the house of God so that when we walk through, this is why we have music playing before service. This is why we have people in the parking lots and in the lobbies because we're encouraging your heart and we're encouraging you to get all that stuff out of the way and lifting your spirit so by the time you get into the, into the auditorium and the time the kids get into the auditorium, that music starts playing. We only have one thing on our mind. Not what's happened around us, not what's going on during the week, but I've got an opportunity right now to lift up some praise to God. I am approaching God. I want you to think of it this way. Uh, the, when kings used to sit on thrones in, in, in different structures and still is the way in some places in the world, when kings sat on thrones, you walked into their presence. You had to be received. Well, the way we approach God or come into the presence of the king is with praise. It's like your ticket in the room. It's not a legalistic thing. It's a relational thing. And the moment I come into the presence of God, I approach him with praise. David understood this as the psalmist. He said in Psalms 100 verse 4, he said, he said this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. I want you to notice what that scripture says. I'm going to read it again. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. He literally just repeated himself. And anytime you see in the Bible a repeat of something, it's, it's, the, it's the same thing as what we do in our literature when we use an exclamation point. There were no punctuation in the Hebrew Bible. When they would want something exclaimed, they would say it twice. And so what David was saying is, when you come to God, you come with praise and you come with thanks. Man, when we get in here in the presence of God, when you're in your private time with the Lord, man, don't do anything. Don't ask for one thing. Don't say anything before you take a moment to say, God, you are awesome. You are powerful. You are mighty. You are the Lord of lords. You are the King of kings. And I want to thank you today. I want to thank you for giving me the breath in my lungs. I want to thank you for saving my soul. I want to thank you for sanctifying my heart. I want to thank you for filling me with your spirit. I want to thank you for saving my family. I want to thank you for healing my body. I want to thank you. Thank you. I'm grateful to you. You are God and you are good. Come on. I'm telling you, we should enter his gates. This is how we approach him. I, I, I think that's awesome. I wish my kids would do that to me. Wouldn't that be awesome, dads, if the first thing that happened when you came home after work today or moms, you came home after work and your kids ran to see you. They, that First, they ran to see you. That'd be a good thing. They run to see you and they just go, man, you're so awesome. I just want to thank you for this house. I just want to thank you for the clothes I'm wearing. I just want to thank you for giving me what you give me and loving me and caring. Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, how do you think that would make you feel? Wouldn't you just be like, oh, you're welcome. 
Are you, what do you want? Let me give you a hug. Why? Because there's something about declaring and expressing your thanks and declaring and expressing your worship and praise to God because he's deserving of it. And just like a good father would love to hear that from his kids, my kids do it plenty, but a good God, the father, wants to hear that from his kids. That's how we approach him. That's how we come to him. Praise is the way we lift Christ up and we edify one another. It's the way we worship. I just want to, I want to tell you something. I don't, think, I don't think we have that thought. I don't think we realize how much praising God edifies other people. You know, I don't even know if we really get that. And, 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 and as I was studying for this message, I thought to myself, I, I really, it was really interesting. I, I thought, I, I don't know that I've ever really thought of this myself. But I was reading in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, and here's what it said. It said, speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So Paul is obviously telling the Ephesian church, here's how you worship. When you come together, this is how you worship. And when we sing praises to the Lord, we're not just singing them to Him, we're singing them to each other. We're singing, hey, look at God, how good He is. Look what God has done in your life and in my life. And as we sing praises to Him, we're not just lifting up His name, but we're edifying everyone around us. Because I I can tell you, there was I was just talking to somebody on Sunday, and they came and they had a heavy heart. And they were just heavy, and then God just moved in our services on Sunday. And when they left, man, there was joy in their face and joy in their eyes. Why? Because it wasn't just us lifting praise to God, but it was all of us together doing it. And as we do that, it doesn't just, uh, it doesn't just move the heart of God. It moves the heart of man because it puts things in the proper perspective. It puts God where he's supposed to be, and it puts man where he's supposed to be. And that's how things are right in the world. And when we get that messed up, when we get that confused, that's where stress comes in. That's where depression comes in. That's where discouragement comes in. We start putting ourselves in the place of God. No, no, no. Let's leave God where he is, awesome and mighty and powerful and great and loving and personal and good. And then let's position and posture ourselves with praise and thanksgiving that keeps us understanding who we are in context with who he is. Praise is how we continually connect with God. You know, we want to connect with God, and God give it, has given us the opportunity to connect with Him. But I think a lot of times we are defining opportunity to obey God or opportunity to live for God or opportunity for praising God as the fact that we're just doing it. And just because you have an opportunity to do something doesn't mean you're doing it. We, we, we think there's an opportunity to connect with God on a different level, but just because you came and got saved one time, you made a decision to follow Christ, but you're really not maturing or growing or walking out your faith, that doesn't mean you're making divine connection with God. You need to understand God wants more for you. He's got more to give you and more to bless you with. And we can't just say there's an opportunity, so that means I already, it already exists. It's like saying uh, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. And even though I don't love Him or doing what He has called me to do, it's still going to work out for me. It's not the way it works. We, we have to understand when we praise God, we are continually connecting with Him. Just because you have an opportunity to do it doesn't mean you're doing it. 
I know there's been times in my life where my prayer life hasn't been what it should. And although I knew Jesus hadn't left me, and I know I knew I was saved, although I knew that God was on my side, I didn't feel close to Him or intimate with Him. It wasn't just a mindset. It wasn't just thinking. It was because I wasn't being close with Him. I wasn't being intimate with Him. Having an opportunity is not the same as doing what the opportunity provides. So we need to know that we can continually connect with God. Well, how do we do that? Praise continually connects us with the heart of God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 in the NIV says this, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. In other words, our open profession of our relationship with Jesus is praise to Him. Do you understand that? We let so many things fill our mouths. We let so many words go through our lips. But you know what the most important thing is? That the fruit of our lips would be open profession of Him all of the time. Continually an offering of of, of worship is going up to Him. Continually an offer of praise as we live out a lifestyle of worship. Praise makes a connection with God. Praise is a good thing. Praise is a necessary thing. And it's an important thing. Thing. Oh, come on, don't ever forget how important praise is. Psalms 147 verse 1 says this, Praise the Lord, how good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise. You know what I love about singing praises to God? You don't have to be a good singer to sing praises to God. You might come in here and you might hear our team up here. We've got such great vocals in this house and we're so thankful for their skill and their gift. And we know that if you're going to lead, you should be skillful. The Bible says, play skillfully upon the harp. And a lot of times people want to say, make a joyful noise. Well, you can make a joyful noise. You just shouldn't be leading the noise. You know what I'm saying? Let somebody else be skillful. But you know what? You don't have to be a great singer to lift up praise to God. Praise God in your car. Praise God in the shower. Praise God when you get up in the morning. Sing songs to God. I used to, I used to worship in a, in a church that uh, years ago that I was a part of. And, and there was a girl that stood by me, and she couldn't sing. I'm telling you, it was the worst. She could not sing to save her life. It was the, like she, you know how you've heard people say you can't carry a tune in a bucket? Listen, she couldn't carry the bucket. You know what I'm saying? It was just not happening for her. She couldn't sing. But I loved standing beside her in worship. And it would preclude me from singing. I couldn't, I couldn't sing because I couldn't stay on key because she was so off key. But you know what I loved about her? Her heart was on key. Your mouth may not be on key, but your heart can be on key. Because when you're praising God, it doesn't matter how good a singer you are. It matters how, how much your heart is connecting with God. And she would lift her hands, and with her whole heart, she would sing out to the Lord. Thank God the music was loud enough to cover it up. But I'm telling you, God, I can promise you, God wasn't hearing an off-key vocal. God was hearing a heart that loved Him, a heart that was breaking through problems, a heart was dealing with issues, a heart that was praising His name. Praise can be a response to the acts of God on our lives. Look, look, when God does something for us, don't you dare move on with life. You stop 
and you praise God. We used to call it a praise break. We're just going to stop right here, and we're going to take a break and start praising God. When God does something for you, don't you just move on to the next thing. Stop and praise his name. Look at the woman after the Red Sea deliverance. Miriam got her tambourines out, and she got the women all around, and they started praising God. And as they were building that altar of memoriam, they, they were lifting up the name of Jesus and singing songs to God. Uh, Mary, after she got the message from God that she was going to be the mother of Jesus. The Bible says she wrote a song right there. She worshiped God and praised him. The armies of Israel after Goliath was defeated, they praised God. The believers in the New Testament after Peter was delivered from prison, they stopped and they praised God. Can I just tell you, it's in those moments where God does something significant for our lives that we need to stop and praise him. Maybe there's something right now today you need to stop. Maybe you need to stop and just say, you know what, God, I don't think I've adequately told you how much I praise you for moving in my life in that way. I don't know if I've adequately articulated the thanksgiving that I have for everything you've done in my life. Praise can also be and is a principle, a precursor to victories in our life. We don't just praise God because of what he's done. We praise God for what he's about to do. It's a principle of faith that we find throughout the word of God. You don't have to wait for God to move to start praising him, but you start praising him before you need him to do something and he'll do it. That's the way God works. Look at Joshua and the battle of Jericho. Joshua, God told him, I'm going to give you the victory. Don't you worry about it. You're going to walk around the walls. They got the trumpeters and the, and the, and the tribe of Judah out in front, and they got the praisers out in front, and they got the Ark of the Covenant, and they just begin to walk around the walls. All of those people walking around those walls day after day, once on the first day, two, twice on the second day, and they just went around and around. And when they got to the seventh day, they went around seven times. And at the seventh time, they shouted a praise to God. It wasn't before they shouted that God knocked the walls down so that they could praise him. But they praised him in faith knowing that he was going to walk the, knock the walls down. What in your life today, listen to me, what in your life today that you can't seem to get anything to change? You can't seem to get the walls to come down. You can't seem to get that promotion or get that approval. You can't seem to get that relationship to work right. You can't seem to overcome that addiction or that problem. Maybe instead of waiting on God to do something about it for you to praise Him, maybe you should start praising Him in advance and just start saying, God, you're great no matter how I feel. God, you are awesome no matter what my circumstances say God you're a healer even though I feel sick God you are a deliverer even though I feel bound and as you begin to praise his name and send forth worship to him I'm telling you the faith of that will break down walls and eliminate barriers and remove sicknesses I've seen it happen in my own life I've read about it in the scripture God wants you to praise him it's the way we approach him it's the way we connect with him it's the way we love him it's praise that comes out of our lips and out of our heart to give glory Glory to God. Now listen, when you're an obeying believer, you're not just giving lip service to God and you praise him, that thing comes out of your heart. I'm telling you, God begins to move. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. You look at you look how praise invites the presence and power of God into everyday situations. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 it says, "You're a chosen people, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light." Listen, can I just tell you 
Can I just tell you that if God has called you out of darkness into light, you should praise Him every day. You should praise Him every single day. Don't just come out, but praise Him because He brought you out. You didn't bring yourself out of darkness. You didn't bring light to your situation. He did it for you. Praise His holy name. I want to give you, just in closing, these three praise principles that create a divine connection. Number one, when we praise, it humbles our heart. When we praise, it humbles our heart. There was a little woman in the New Testament who had been forgiven of much. She had, she had been delivered of much by Jesus. And in a moment of a meeting where Jesus was meeting with His disciples and they were sitting down to eat, She just walks in with a very costly perfume that by all accounts was probably her inheritance. It was probably handed down generationally. It was worth about one man's work for a year. That's, that was the worth of it. A whole year's wages. And the Bible says in some translations that when she, when she poured the oil. That's what she did. She went over to the head and feet of Jesus and she poured this oil. Somehow she got a revelation that he was going to die for us. Somehow she was preparing his body for burial. She was just trying to praise him. She was just trying to thank him. She was just trying to give something from her to him for all that he had given to her. And the Bible says she broke the bottle which I think is very important because what it infers to us is that she didn't reserve any of it for herself. When we praise God, don't hold back. Don't hold back. Give all yourself to God. She broke that bottle so that she couldn't put that perfume back. She gave the whole thing. She couldn't reserve any of it. That's how our heart should be in praise to God. God, I'm giving you all of who I am. I'm not holding anything back. When we praise, it humbles our heart. Look how humble an expression that was where she was on her knees and she was washing his feet with her hair just to tell him, you're so good. You're so great. You're so awesome what you have done in my life. You have changed me. You have saved me. You have delivered me. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, God, what you've done. The second principle is this. When we praise, it confuses the enemy. It confuses him. The Bible talks about the story of Gideon where Gideon was to fight the Midianites. The Midianites were innumerable. And, 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 and you know the story of Gideon. It, it just comes down to 300 guys. God uses 300 guys and they're about to fight an army that you can't count. And God tells them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to Hold pitchers in your hand, a trumpet in the other. And I want you to blow the trumpet, drop the pitcher, raise your sword and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. In other words, I want you to send out a praise to me. 300 guys, 100 on one side, 100 on another, 100 on another. They surrounded the armies of Midian in the valley. And there was only 300 of them in the multiplied thousands in the valley. And so when it came time on Gideon's mark, they dropped the torches, they blew the trumpets, they held up the sword and they said, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. They were saying 
the Lord is fighting our battle. They were saying, we praise the Lord, Yahweh, the self-existent, self-sufficient God who needs nothing to exist and who has created all things that exist. The Lord. And when they did, the Midianites got so confused that they turned on one another because the Spirit of God was confusing them. And they, did never, they, never, even, they never even fought one blow the Israelites did. They just praised God and it confused them. Is the enemy attacking your life today? Is the enemy attacking your family? Are the circumstances surrounding you overwhelming you? You know what? Begin to praise God and it'll confuse the enemy. He won't even know which way to go because you're not getting down. You're not complaining. You're not giving up. It's not time. I'm going to say it again like I've been saying. It's not time to give up hope. It's time to get your hopes up because you are you have a God who cannot fail. Number three, and the last principle is when we praise, it engages God's presence. When they were persecuted, they praised. The New Testament church, Paul and Silas in the midnight hour, when they were persecuted, they were beaten, they were thrown in jail. They praised. The Bible says they begin to pray and sing praises to God. And the entire jail listened in. And what happened? God showed up and he delivered them. When we praise, it engages God's presence and his power to get involved. It engages the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit in our own life to do the things necessary to fulfill the purpose of God and to overcome the obstacles that we face. God is a God who wants to give you victory. He wants to give you power. He wants to give you grace. He wants to give you goodness, not just to save you, not just so you'll be a moral person, but you'll be a world changer that can affect lives and make a difference all around you because you are manifesting the powerful presence of God in your life and it all happens when we engage him in praise so we want the divine connection a daily walk with God where his spirit is tangibly and visibly and truly felt in our lives we can live this powerful Holy Spirit influenced life by the fruit of the spirit being born in our lives and the gifts of the spirit being manifest in our lives and we can make this daily divine connection through studying the word and praying consistently and taking action to praise his holy name praising him out of the humility of our hearts praising him and confusing the enemy praising him to engage his presence praise connects us to God And to each other. And we together can lift up His holy name. So here's what I want to do. I'm not even going to pray. I want you to take a moment before we move on. And I want you to praise God. I want you to just, I mean literally right where you are. I don't care. I'm going to give you a moment here. I'm going to praise. I want you to praise. And I want you to just stop whatever God's done for you, even if it's hard for you to remember. And you say, I don't know what God's done for me in a long time. I feel like I've been left alone. Come on, just start praising Him for it. You know to praise Him for it. You're breathing. You're in church. Come on. Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him. Father, we praise You. 
We give you glory. We magnify your holy and wonderful name. You are awesome. You are king. You are glorious. You are magnificent. Your spirit is powerful. Your spirit is comforting. Your spirit is engaging. Your spirit is anointing. God, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. God, I praise your holy name. You are El Shaddai. You are El Roy. You are El Rapha. You are you are the God that delivers. You are the God that heals. You are the God who is present. You are a God who gives peace. Lord, you are so wonderful and so magnificent. I find it hard to articulate what you really deserve. I can't say things that really describe or, or define your worth. But God, I can say this. I love you with my whole heart. And I praise you with my whole heart. You are good and, and your mercy endures. We're going to praise you, God, till the walls fall down. We're going to praise you till the chains fall off. We're going to thank you because of what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do. And God, we give you glory. And we say, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of Yahweh. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, come on, tell me as you praise God, you didn't experience his presence. Come on, you, you just keep this up. Keep that attitude of praise and let it come from your heart and let God do something great in your life. We love you. God bless you.